0: All right, this morning, being sick as I am, I'm going to do my best. And if you hear a cough here or there, you know, you can just pray or just avoid it. And I can't even see yet. (laughs) Wow. But other than that, though, I feel great. (laughs) I feel great. All right, Isaiah 53. In Isaiah 53 and this is where the teaching comes from and today's message will be is there for today for us the body of Christ the church is there based upon what we'll read in Isaiah 53 is there healing physical healing and disease did Christ die on the cross to do away with the physical healing and disease that we have, or was it only in the spiritual sense healing us of our sins, dealing with the old sin nature in Romans 6, 1 through 6, dealing with the sins in Psalm 103 and verse 12, and in Micah 7, 18 and 19. Was that just that? Is that what this is teaching? And let's read in Isaiah 53. This is what it says. Who has believed our report, our preaching, our message? That's literally what it says in the Hebrew. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Now, what does that mean? God doing anything could only have been based upon what he could do in and through Christ because he's the one that propitiated him. Thus, he would, through him, obviously, as our substitute, would reconcile us. Well, who to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed. For he will grow up before him as a tender plant. This is, revealing, this is revealing Christ, who up to this point was still in a pre-incarnate state, but would soon to be born in the womb of that uh, Mary, the fe- uh, 14-year-old peasant girl in Luke, Luke 1 and verse 35. Thus he would, the word would be made flesh, not become but made flesh and would dwell, dwell among us and we, we would behold his glory the glory as of the only begotten filled up with all that grace and truth is and that's what this is bringing out he will grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground see Israel when he came well first of all when he came into the world in John 1.10 the world the whole mass of humanity didn't know him any different from anybody else I didn't know. But in John one eleven it says he came unto his own, the nation of Israel, and his own rejected him. Said no to him. This is brought out as they were crying out after all of his judgments before Caiaphas and Pilate is brought out in the synoptics. Specifically really in Matthew and, and in, in John also in the other two. But the fact of the matter is that when we see those things, when we see it there, what do we see? We see the truth. We see this truth. So here, here is Jesus, and what were they crying out in their rejection? They said in John 18, 40, not this man, not this one. Nope, not this one. From, came from God to rule over us? No, not this one. Furthermore, they cried out in John 19 and verse 15, crucify him. So he came unto his own. That's what, a, he came as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness. This makes it crystal clear that Jesus was not a good-looking man. Regardless of those portraits and photos, Jesus was not a good-looking man. and We've shared this before based upon the, the tabernacle in Numbers, the fourth chapter, and what, would, what it was made of outwardly and, and inwardly, in and that outward and inward, in that tabernacle, in Numbers, the fourth chapter, is what is being brought out in John 1 and verse 14. He was the Word, glorious, made flesh. <laughs> Not much to look at, but all glorious within. That's what those disciples looked, and they saw way more. And that's what Jesus was saying to him. And Boy, we can certainly say it for us today that in Matthew 13 and verse 15, blessed are your, your ears for you hear, you submit, and blessed are your eyes because you see. You see, there has to be that submission of the will before we can see and have a proper experience. That's why knowledge, only knowledge, in 1 Corinthians 8, 1 puffs up. Now here, it says this. <clears throat> he is what? He is... And there's no beauty, and when we see him, it says, there, there's no beauty that we should desire him. So the desire wouldn't be natural beauty. It would be something that was within the true person. He is despised and rejected of men. He is a man of sorrows. Acquainted with grief. Grief. Was it based upon his own grief? Was it based upon his own sorrows? No. It was always the others. First for his father and dealing with it in propitiation, and then for others, dealing with it in substitution to be the means of their, and the only means of their, reconciling them and putting them into a proper relationship with a godly father based upon Galatians 4 and verses 6 and 7 and Romans 8 and verse 15. See? But he was despised, and we esteemed him not. We didn't see any value in him. Now this is Isaiah. The Holy Spirit is speaking through Isaiah and revealing what the people of Israel and the religious leaders of the day, this time even here and teaching, but he's revealing what's going to happen in the future when Christ would come. And that's what he's saying here. That's why Jesus said, because remember the word, this is the word. And who is the word? It's Christ. That's why he said in John 13, 19 and 14, 29, I tell you these things before they come to pass, that when they come to pass, you might believe. He was despised and esteemed not, no value. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He most certainly did that. Yet we did esteem him stricken. Now, even in this sense, he was carrying. He was carrying here in this verse, and we're going to see there's going to be two Greek words, one of which the Septuagint takes over into the Greek so we can understand it. And have proper teaching on the scriptures and know how in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15 to rightly divide. This he's speaking to the nation of Israel. That's who he's speaking to. And Isaiah through and the Holy Spirit through the vessel Isaiah is speaking to the people of Israel. He's not addressing the body of Christ here. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, getting what he deserved. He's a phony, we we don't want him. And afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him And with his stripes we are healed. Now, there's certain verses here, and we have to tie them together. And this is kingdom preaching. hasn't yet been on the earth, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke deal with kingdom teaching towards the Jews. God is dealing with the Jews. We can see when he finally cut himself off with any dealings with them, other than them receiving Christ and becoming a part of the body of Christ. But we see that in, Ma- in, in uh, Acts, the 7th chapter, and we see that in verses 51 right through to the 59th verse, and 60, where he finally cut himself off because they re- Israel rejected every po- prophet that he ever sent. He did. He rejected every prophet they rejected Christ's coming, God, in humanity. And then they rejected God, the Holy Spirit. What more could he do for them? That's when he cut himself off. Not in terms of they receive Christ as their Savior, but in dealing, trying to deal with an, a rebellious, unruly nation. So, here in Matthew 8, in Matthew the 8th chapter, in verse 17, look what it says. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself, took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Now, is bearing the sicknesses and disease, diseases of Israel, did Jesus actually do that? Prior to the cross, did he heal people? Yes. Did he bear, did he bear their put up with, (laughs) right? Bear with, did he put up with and and, in many instances heal them? Yes. There's no question about that, he did. He definitely did that. He himself took our infirmities. Whose? Who was he speaking about here? The Jews, the nation of Israel. Because we must remember here, these are the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and it's kingdom teaching. And when you mix kingdom teaching with the body of Christ, you come up with all kinds of confusion. You take what was was spoken to Israel and bring it over and make it spoken to the church. And then you make the church less by making it all one thing all one people thing, all one group that God was dealing with, which there's a clear distinction in the Scriptures. So here it says, and bear our sicknesses. Did did Jesus do that? All through. Did he heal the demoniac? Did, did Did he heal the woman that had the infirmity for 18 years? Did he? Yes, he did. He healed multitudes. Did he heal the lepers? Ten. And of course, only one came back and thanked him. Did he do that? Yes. That's what this is talking about. But that is everything that he did prior to the cross. Because the only place that Jesus Christ ever bore sin was on the cross. It's the only place. He wasn't doing it here. He was never bearing anyone's sins here. The only place he ever did that was on the cross. So to make healing our diseases and our sickness and being healed by his stripes, to be the same thing, not only paying and and making us right spiritually, dealing with our old sin nature and paying for all our sins, to be the same as healing us, to make it to be the same, then that would mean that if you're sick, are you saved? it doesn't even make any sense in the scriptures it makes not a lick of sense we have so many examples in the scriptures so many how about how about the pattern christian the apostle paul the, the heavenly pattern christian how about him our teacher the whole time teaching the wonderful things that christ has done let's see what he thought about isaiah 53 and specifically those first five verses, let's read what he went into and see the opposite. So we see in 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, 1 Corinthians 11, what did he say in verse 30? For this cause... Well, I think I got that one wrong. (laughs) We many are weak and sickly and die right but but the truth is do, do many are weakly and sickly and die were they born again yeah did, did people die do people die during the church age that have received Christ as their savior absolutely furthermore furthermore second corinthians 11:30 it is second corinthians 11:30 it's a little better than the other one Although the other ones, this is true. If I must needs glory. Let's go listen to this one. I am, and am I not weak? No. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my what? My infirmities, my diseases. You do a study on the life of Paul. He had an a deep trouble, deep trouble with his eyes, couldn't see. And he was an epileptic. So he wasn't born again? He didn't have enough faith? That's what happens when you make it all one thing here in Isaiah 53. Because that word, that word there, the difference in the two words is the Septuagint, when it ta- and Septuagint is taking a Hebrew word and bringing it over into the Greek language. Septuagint means 70. They're actually 71 or 72 scholars, but they say Septuagint. That's why you see the L with the two X's. That's Septuagint, and it's the, it's, it's the number, the Greek number of 70. <clears throat> but they were 70 that would translate the Old Testament language over into the Greek, and the word that they used is the same exact word. It's anaphero, and anaphero simply means he dealt with our sins. In our iniquities, and he paid for that, period. <laughs> That's what he paid for. He paid for those in, a, in the spiritual sense. It never says, because the whole time again in Jesus' earthly walk, the whole time, he was healing people. He did heal people. But it was prior to the cross. At that particular time, he was bearing no one's sins. The only place that happened was on Calvary. And furthermore, furthermore, here is again the apostle. In 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, we see very, very clearly, I mean, who gave us as the church, the body of Christ, the heavenly bride, more heavenly truth than this man? Wasn't he called by God, by the heavenly Christ himself in Acts, the ninth chapter, in those first six verses? Yeah. Did he send him into the deserts of Arabia for three years to give him all of these truths that he would continue to grow in, just like you and I are in Galatians 1 and verse 18? Yes. Did God himself, the Holy Spirit wrote it, separate him, in Galatians 1 and verse 15, from his mother's womb. You know what that means? He separated him from all natural relationships. He separated him. When? In his mother's womb. So we know that the Apostle Paul was called of God. Was he sick? Was he born again? Did he have orthomalia? He most certainly did. To teach this, to to people, especially young people today, and, and old people that act like young people because they're not taught, unfortunately. And we can all we can all do that in a heartbeat, is very destructive. And the thief we know in John 10 10A, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What's that? The experience. A proper experience. That here I am, if I'm sick, if I'm sick. I don't have enough faith, that's why. I don't have enough dependence. But is even that, the word faith, does it deal with sicknesses? Does it even deal with that? You can trust God, but what about God's will? What about the scriptures? We'll get to them. But what about the scriptures? For us in Christ to teach, to say to a young person, you know, you are healed. You're functioning in something that you're healed of, this sickness, because that's a part of your salvation, is it, based upon the Scriptures? Well, then what do we do with these verses? Do you see where he was speaking to the nation of Israel? He gave the law to one people group, Israel. Did you ever give it to the church? Never. By the way, did they ever fulfill the law? Even when they said in Exodus 19, verse 8 and 24, verse 3, tell us what to do and we'll do it. Did they? Never. They never even did that. So to teach something like that, you best make sure you don't get sick. I'm not going to name a particular person, but there is a man that teaches that. He's located in Fort Worth. He's located in that. And he will teach that same thing. If you you are healed, Christ paid for all, not only your sins and dealt with your eternal salvation, but He took care of all your sicknesses in time. And oh boy, I've always wanted to talk to Him face to face, because here's that guy teaching it with glasses on. What you don't have? Didn't He heal your eyes completely? You don't have what's perfect vision? I don't know. Is it twenty fifteen or twenty twenty? I don't know. Well, what are you doing? Boy, I'll tell you if that guy gets sick, he better hide in the closet. He may, may may make it go on a vacation. It's not it's really sad. It really is to teach those kind of things. To teach those things. But what about these verses here? Hmm, point my tongue. Mm, I'm gonna say. Second Corinthians <coughs> four. And verse 15, for the believer in Christ during the church age, this, been, this this time that we're in, for all things are for your sake. How do you rationalize that? Am I in Christ? The moment I received him, did he place me in him? Yes. Are all things at that point for my sake, even sicknesses, will God use them? I don't know. Did God use them in Job's life? Did he? Yeah. Huh. Yes, he did use them in Job's life. Why would Job be sick then? For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound, go right back to the glory of God. 5.18, 2 Corinthians. And all things are of God, who has, that's past tense, reconciled us to himself, by Jesus Christ, and has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation, are all things for our sakes, all things. Sicknesses, too? For the, us in Christ? Absolutely. It's a means of learning, it's a means of discipline. It can even be a means of loving chastisement. Because I may not deserve to be allowed to be sick and just to continue to live in sin and areas. <laughs> but God in His grace will allow that. Right? are all things of God constituted of him and do all things in Romans 8, 28 work together for the good to them that love God. See that the word that's brought over about healing us and we'll see it again I'll read it again so we can get a clear understanding of it when we see this and, and we're just going into it in a very small way this morning because that's about my capacity this morning. But when it says in Isaiah 53 and verse 4, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. right? We have streamed him smitten of God, stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. Is that true? Yes, he was. Where did that take place? In his public ministry when he hadn't gone to the cross yet? Absolutely not. This is where the Septuagint takes that word over. The Hebrew word "over" brings it into the Greek, Greek, and it's on a pharaoh, where he did pay for all of our sins and all of our iniquities. But when it says this here, and he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, that's true, right? He is our peace in Ephesians 2 and verse 14. Why? Because we got that peace because on Calvary, he dealt with that in Colossians 1.20. We have the, the blood of the cross, the accomplishment of his work. And so what do we see here? Now we see a whole different word when the Septuagint took this Hebrew word and brought it over into Matthew 8 and verse 17. And with his stripes, we are healed. And with his stripes here are healed. Again, who's he speaking to here? Isagogically, who's he speaking to here? The nation of Israel. That's is what makes it so, so important to know how to rightly divide the word of truth. It's extremely important. It was kingdom teaching and Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Kingdom teaching, some similar, but but gleams of what he was going to do in the future in Acts the second chapter and getting them ready. but it, it was all kingdom teaching. Furthermore he told them the Jews, you're not to go to any other than, than the, the children of Israel. And that was in Matthew 15 and verse 24. He said "You're not to do it because it was kingdom teaching at that time. Now what, did people get did people receive Christ as their savior prior to the cross? Well, of course, Noah's Ark, that's the type. All the sacrifices point to that. And their faith looks forward to the cross. Hadn't happened yet, but God saw. And this is bringing out even in, in Romans three twenty-five and 26, based upon 425 of Romans. And when you read those verses, you'll see the clarity of how he was dealing with the past and being just while he was doing it. That's what Job said. Job said in 1417, he he put all my iniquities in a bag in, in this sense, in typology. Yeah, that's right. Because then he took that bag when Christ was on Calvary and put it on him. But that was what his faith looked forward to. Our faith looks back to the finished work of Christ. And so here, this word, and by his stripes by his stripes, we are what? We are healed. The, the Greek word there is a completely different word than anapharo completely different. It's bastidzuo, that's what it is, bastidzuo. I think it's B-I-S-T-I-Z-O. And if I'm wrong, you can look it up. That, but literally, that is the Greek word. Not at my best (laughs) this morning. (laughs) That is the word, the Greek word there, and it means to bear. And when did Jesus bear in Matthew 8 and 17? When was he bearing their diseases and sicknesses? Was he doing it then? Yes. That's when he did it. That's when he did it. Now, does God still heal today? Yes, he can heal, but is it based upon our salvation? Is it one and the same as our salvation? Can you imagine if it was? I won't ever know if I'm saved. I could never know if I would truly be born again if I believe that kind of teaching. I, I just—it's just, oh boy, <laughs> what it does. But thank God that's what Jesus said. <laughs> and and he can speak it to us you know when he said that to them because he was there right with them in Matthew 13:15 he was there right with him but crucified and being the heavenly Christ the heavenly savior thank God we have this truth in Ephesians chapter 1 in verse 17 it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the father of glory give you give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. And that's what God's doing this morning with us. (coughs) Once again, with the preciseness of his word and his theologian, the Holy Spirit, taking those things that Christ has accomplished in John 16, 13, and 14 and showing them unto all of us. That's what he's doing. See? That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints. So we even know, even know when Paul he didn't have an amanuensis. An amanuensis is like Tychicus and these other men. Paul through the Holy Spirit would dictate to him, them to write down these letters for him. He didn't have one when he wrote Galatians. And with his eyesight. I don't have it as bad as he does, but anyway. and with his eyesight, and we can even see it. In Galatians four and verse fourteen, it says, "In my temptation, really, and he was he was being tested." By the way, God tests us; He doesn't tempt us. We know that in James 1.13. which was in my flesh. What's that? His physical body. You despise not, nor rejected. I have to reject you that you're saved because you don't believe that that was a part of your salvation, your physical healing. No, they didn't reject Paul. But received me as an angel, a messenger, a very special messenger. The Greek word is angelos here. A messenger of God, even as Christ Jesus in in his stead. Where is then the blessedness that you spoke of? For I bear you witness You record that if it had been possible, you would have torn out your own eyes and have given them to me. He had Archamalia. Physically healed? Did he endure all kinds of things? Was he not born again? Who was God speaking what to? need to be very, very careful. We need to be very careful with the scriptures. We need the very preciseness of the teacher, of teaching. And that makes it very clear who we should, as much as we love people, who we should even be around. It's very, very key. Because evil com- communications, are corrupt, you know, evil companions, and can I be born again and still have function in evil? So then is it evil to teach this truth about healing and the atonement physically if it's not of God? Is it evil? Yes. Of course it is. Because it's not truth. So we need to be careful who we're with. Very careful. Right? I'm trying to find this one scripture. Which I can't. But even here in Galatians, because i, I, I got to stop trying to see, because I can't. <coughs> but even he said it, Paul. See how large a, a letter I've written unto you, which meant he had to write the letters very large (laughs) because he could not see because he had these physical ailments. And so does God, even in that sense, does he use those things? Does he use sickness in our life? Is it for evil or good? It's for our what? It's good, and he can teach us with it and by it. And a lot of times it is truthful, loving chastisement, or, but one thing I do know, if one thing I do know, if I am confessed up to date with known sin, holding nothing against anybody in, in, in wicked, evil thoughts, against, if I, my conscience is completely cleansed experientially, I don't have to question why I'm sick, because the atmosphere wants to invade us with these questioning lies. To get us away from fellowshipping with Christ. Why did this happen? What do we do with 2 Timothy 2.12? If we suffer with him, we will what? Reign with him. Are we suffering for our salvation or is that complete? It's complete. How about Romans 8.18? For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. How about Romans and how about Romans 8, verse 23? The whole creation does what? Groan. Is it groaning for salvation? No. Part of our groaning is, what are we looking forward to in Philippians 3 and verse 21? Our new, brand new bodies. Ah. And in this sense, we do groan. But even in those groanings for us in Christ, in Romans 8, verse 26, who's present with us? It's God the Holy Spirit. Would I have God the Holy Spirit in me if I hadn't received Christ as my Savior? While I'm still sick. (laughs) I'm just going. I think it's it's very interesting how God had to preach this (laughs) in the midst of my sickness. I think it's very interesting uh, and to have this. But you know, you'll know the truth. When you know the truth, experience it right through proper t- preaching and teaching. The truth will what? Set you free. let set you free and you shall be free indeed. That's John 8, 32 and 36. We'll be free. And that's why in Galatians 5, 1, we're to, stand, we're to stay in the freedom where Christ has made us free. And even in my freedom in Christ, will he de- lovingly chastise me? So is he chastising me because I don't have enough faith and I'm living in sickness when I shouldn't? Or is it a part, Even does God even use it as a part of our growth to cause us to go for that growth and to depend on him for everything, to show us how truly weak we are, to do away with pride, to teach us again in John 15, 1-5, that without him we can't even do a single thing. A single thing. Amen and amen. Father, bless the word to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.